Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome to another episode of EAC Speaks, where we're always epic, always empowering, preventing, innovating, and connecting. As you know, my name is Eddie, and I'm the host of EAC Speaks, and I am joined today by none other than Jamie. I'm so excited to have you, Jamie. How's your day going? Hey guys, um, day's going great, and I'm 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 thrilled to be here actually. So thank you for having me. Yes, I'm so glad you're able to join us for this episode. Can you just give a little rundown to our audience to tell them a little bit about yourself? Okay, so my name's Jamie. Um, I live in rural Arkansas. I have a a uh, very recently turned six-year-old son and I'm 18 plus months in recovery and um, that's about it. Single mom, just trying to make it day to day and a faithful believer in Jesus Christ. Okay, we're going to always <laughs> give it up to Jesus, okay? <laughs> always. <laughs> so, Jamie, tell me, um, what was it like for you when you first found out that you were living with um, the first thing that comes to my mind is dark. Um, I was I was in addiction when I found out. Uh, I actually, well, no, let me rephrase that. I was not in addiction. I was pregnant when I found out, but I was previously in addiction until I found out I was pregnant. And then um, when I found out, I just, the first thought on my mind was suicide. Like I just, I felt like it was a death sentence and I didn't want to go on from there. And um, so, and I felt alone because I knew that there was nobody around that I could talk to that fully understood. And me trying to keep it a secret was even more so me, you know, kind of isolating myself because I'm the only one that understood my problem, you know? So I, I think to sum it all up, it was probably just pretty dark and, and isolated. It wasn't a good place to be at when I first was diagnosed. Yeah, that definitely can be a dark place. I remember being in a dark place as well. Even though I had worked in the field for so many years, it's still that type of darkness. So tell me, what um, what kind of help motivate you to get out of that space? Well, um, <clears throat> a lot of prayer and arguing with God, to be honest, I was... I, uh, as I mentioned, I'm, I'm in recovery and I, we were, I was sentenced, um, due to some felony charges to this RSAT program, which stands for residential substance abuse treatment. And, um, from there they decided to film us, um, on discovery plus it's a program prison detox, but, um, I knew that I had to reach other people. And up until that point, like I had only told a select few people and then uh, back to that dark place, I had actually confided in a very close friend and um, I had people that I still to this day don't know who it was, but they would run and talk about me and then I would have people coming to me like, oh, I heard you had this, I heard you had that. So. I just wanted all of that to kind of stop and I had talked to the substance abuse counselor in there and she's like, you know, the more you tell your story, the freer you're going to be. And um, I let go that day and I don't regret anything about it. I mean, I've never felt better than I did at that point whenever I just told people and I was terrified, not because of the cameras, but because I had 15 peers in there 
that didn't know and I had to share that with them so I just I mean I don't know I just didn't want it to have a hold on me anymore I wanted to take control of it so I really think that that's why I decided that I was gonna just talk about it openly from that point forward and I have I love that that it was a, a level of freedom in being able to tell your story so how has it been like what has it been like for you since you have been so open with your status um exhilarating (laughs) and that's kind of funny that i could use that word now because you know whenever i was first diagnosed like i never looked at it like i'm gonna be one of those people that openly talks about being hiv positive like that's not something that i ever seen myself doing as a matter of fact um whenever i was pregnant like i said i'd found out then and they actually wanted me to go to a different doctor a high-risk doctor and i'm like that's more people that knows that i'm that I'm, I'm HIV positive. Like, I don't, I don't want to talk about it. <clears throat> but now I just, I will tell anyone, like, it doesn't bother me at all. And back to the exhilarating part, like, I just, and the freedom. Um, I think that's like one of the main things, the takeaway from this whole thing is the freedom that I felt that I continue to feel um, just by being open about my status. Like, it's not something that I have to hide. And, actually considering the fact that since I have talked about it openly for the first time like I don't have any of those people like so I heard you have this or I heard you have that or so and so told me this like all of that stopped because I took control of it so I wouldn't change any of that for anything yes that is definitely powerful because I remember being told you know tell your story before someone else can and in that I love it it really helped me come out with my status because I was also someone who did not necessarily hide. Well, yeah, I was totally in hiding, but more so because of everyone else's opinion. So that exhilaration, I can totally relate to that. So tell me this, um, when it comes down to someone who may have other factors in their life, whether they're using substances, alcohol, sex addiction, whatever it is in their lives, how difficult is that for someone to understand an HIV diagnosis? Um, I mean, I can only speak for myself. And like I said, whenever I was first diagnosed, like I just felt like it was a complete death sentence, um, which that's because of all the stigma. And there's not a lot of people talking about it. Like it's kind of a taboo subject. No, it's one of those things that not a lot of people want to talk about. And I really want to change that going forward because it should not, I mean, it shouldn't be like that, you know? Um, So I just think that in addiction and everything else a lot of people don't uh a lot of people don't get the care i mean they don't seek the help and like for doctors and you know they don't go to regular checkups because they are an addiction they don't really take care of their self as well as a person um that may not be an addiction and get regular checkups so i mean it would be kind of more complicated to reach those people and that's one thing that i've wanted to make it i mean that i've kind of had a goal of mine set to reach people that are in addiction um and you know try to reach out to them and let them know hey it can happen to anyone 
And this is this is something very serious. Self-care is very important. Mm-hmm. And so why is it so important to you to normalize these conversations? Well, um, as I mentioned, I live in a small rural town. So a lot of people, you know, I mean, it's kind of one of those things, I guess, that really gets swept in the under the rug. Like, as far as I know, whenever I was first diagnosed in 2015, like, I had went and looked at the stats for this location, and there was at least like 11, maybe 12 people in our county that were positive, and um, nobody's talking about it. So that was kind of like a drive for me, you know, because it's one of those things like, in order to take control of our life, we have to talk about every aspect of it. And in order to end HIV and spreading HIV, you know, we have to talk about it. Like that has to be something to talk about with our kids. I mean, it just needs to be um, a normal conversation. I mean, maybe it's not an easy conversation always, but I just feel like it needs to be normalized so we can try to end this epidemic. So what are, uh, I know you mentioned talking to people in addiction and even in like rural Arkansas. So what are some other things that you're excited about in your advocacy work? Um, Well, I'm actually in two groups uh, right now that are, that are trying to um, help end uh, HIV stigma. And also just another one that kind of wants to open open the floor to talk about HIV and testing and just make everyone aware that there are places here or you can even um, order a test by the phone for free that comes straight to your own home or online. And um, those things are really exciting to me. I would love to go and one thing that I've tried talking to is going into like our jail because a lot of the people in there are in addiction and again you know that self-care is not a high priority in addiction and i would love to go in there and tell them hey you know it can happen to anyone it happened to me so i don't know i'm just excited about all of it going forward like i never thought that i would be in this place that i am now and i'm here so i just want to let everybody else know that hey it's okay. <laughs> I mean, we got each other, if nothing else, you know? Yeah. So what's <laughs> your message to someone who may be on the fence about, like, wanting to help support? Because we know that there's support in different ways where you can li- you can talk openly about your status, and there are situations where you don't have to talk openly about your status. But what is your message to someone who wants to help out in the cause? Um, Do it. Um, (laughs) really as simple as that because um, as I mentioned you know the same as in recovery like helping me I mean me it helps me to help other people so I know like even in recovery like being active in the recovery community and then also being active now in the HIV community like it's helped me tremendously and also to know you know back I said I isolated and I just felt that nobody could understand me like there are people and I was actually 
I mean, I don't guess I was surprised, but it just kind of felt good to realize that so many people went through the exact same emotions that I did and their diagnosis. So, I mean, if nothing else, you gain a whole lot more people that could understand you in your circle of friends or uh, acquaintances. So just do it. <laughs> I think that's great because there is a level of support that you also feel knowing that you're not alone and so many other people probably feel the exact same way. So exactly. in Arkansas, it's um, mostly rural. So we have to find ways to reach people and actually being there to support each other. Um, what are some of the ways that you think we can reach people in rural communities? Um, well, uh, uh, word of mouth probably is, I mean, I, you can't really hold like a huge conference. I live in a town of like 6,000 people in Dequeen, so you really can't just kind of hold like a huge conference like, okay, so here's what we need to do to end HIV stigma. We need to normalize conversation. So I think just, you know, groundwork and going out and just kind of talking about things to other people to normalize the conversation again and um i'm kind of stumped i don't i mean <laughs> i think a lot of it's just word of mouth of just talking about it and just kind of making it normal in our conversations because um i know like you said uh people just i mean you were afraid of what other people would feel and all of the judgment that would be passed on to me is how i felt and so talking about it now like i don't have any of that i mean i don't feel anybody judging me or anything of the sort like i was my own worst critic mm -hmm. and so i just feel like going out and talking to other people about it and just kind of normalizing it in conversation period like i advocate for it on facebook kind of um probably not as much as i could but i do and so like I said, I really just think groundwork, kind of working with um, hospitals or doctor's offices or jails or anywhere like that, that where you can reach a small people, a small amount of people that might not be um, working with their own self-care, mm -hmm. if that answers the question. <laughs> yes, I think that's important. Like you said, the groundwork, <laughs> because you absolutely cannot hold a conference in a small city and not expect um, no one to show up. So when right. rural communities, you are absolutely right. Groundwork and that actual grassroots effort to make people understand <laughs> that you know, we're here to help, we're here to support in any capacity of the way. So word of mouth is something that will definitely help. Now, you know, flyers and all of that is great, but with that word of mouth, I've seen, um, more success in actually reaching folks. So, yeah, right. the question. <laughs> so, let's see. What are some of your passions outside of HIV advocacy? I didn't ask you that part. What are some of those things? Um. Well, um, being active in church, that's first and foremost. And my son, uh, just spending quality time with him like i have a couple of years to make up for that that i was in addiction um i know that's time i'll never get back but i can i could do better going forward 
and uh, recovery, just being in the recovery community uh, again and, you know, kind of encouraging people, hey, you know, maybe you should go get tested just because me being an addiction, like I've seen a lot of sketchy stuff, I guess, for lack of a better word, um, that could be possible uh, passing any type of bloodborne illnesses or, you know, any type of things like that. And plus people in addiction are, well, I'm kind of going off subject here. So, so, um, (coughs) excuse me. So let's see church, my son, um, and recovery. That's some of my other passions outside. I, I like crafting, but I haven't really did that like painting and stuff. I haven't really did much of that lately because I've been so busy but um, that pretty much sums up most of my passion spending time with family I'm pretty close I mean our family's pretty family oriented so we're pretty close knit I think that is kind of shows where we can also reach out to communities because when we talk about passions outside of HIV we'll never end the epidemic without discussing other things. So being in the church and talking to them to normalize the conversation. Um, Another community that we always deal with is um, even like uh, here, we do like barbershop and beauty salon, like talk. So those passions definitely help me figure out like where are some other places that we can go to talk about HIV and kind of not take over the conversation, but kind of collaborate and make sure that we have some places that, you know, if I go to church, I may bring church fans or I may bring some type of, um, what is it called? Incentive or some type of, what is it? Swag, that's what it's called. (laughs) Right. Give it out and absolutely people will come to you when they see that you have like cool stuff, but then you catch them with, you know, you know, let's talk about this. this right, kind of pull, draw them in and then, okay, so here, come on over, but here's this. Right, that, that's that's a great idea. Yes, so I absolutely love that. And you also mentioned um, self-care. So what's the importance of self-care to you? Um, That is, that's going to have to be um, kind of at the top, especially now since I'm in recovery and uh, I have been diagnosed with HIV. Uh, and then I have my son, you know, I have to live long and prosper for him. <laughs> but um, self-care is imperative to anyone, um, regardless if they're in addiction or not. And I know a lot of people like to slack on that or maybe... Um, we actually did some work the other day on, you know, people saying, well, I just don't have time or I don't want to know the answer. Like I've, I've maybe did a couple of iffy things and I don't really want to know the answer, but it's so important to know the answer so you can have peace of mind and you can start working, um, towards fixing it or at least controlling it and getting, or getting it under control and then further controlling it. And, um, So I think it is very important. And um, that's another thing with normalizing the conversation, you know, like 
if something happens and you do come back positive, there are people that understand. So I think self-care is huge. Same. It's one of my, um, like you said, top priorities because I do want to live a long and healthy life as well. And I can only do that by taking care of myself. And sometimes people make it um, big deal, but it's sometimes as small as turning your phone on Do Not Disturb maybe for an hour, two hours, the night. That self-care comes in different kind of ways. So always find ways to help take care of yourself. Always, always. Yes. So what what didn't I ask you, Jamie? What is something that you wanted to tell the people? Um, Specifically to people that uh, maybe, you know, that are the ones that say, well, I don't really want to know, or the newly diagnosed, um, I just, I mean, you're not alone. And there are people out there um, that that understand, that can relate to you. I know that I felt so alone, and because one of the main people that I talked to was my mom, and um, she didn't really know how to relate to me in order to help me, because she didn't, she couldn't understand the things that my mind was going through. So um, just reach out. And another thing is you've got to work on your mental health. Like, because I was in such a dark place for so long. Like, I mean, I didn't, I got diagnosed in 2015, 2021 in January was whenever I first decided to talk about it. So, so I kind of hid for quite a while and, um, that's some time that I'll never get back that I stayed in a dark place in depression. So, um, especially people that have been diagnosed, mental health is really, really important. I mean, I guess that goes for anybody, but I know it's your mental health takes a blow for most people during a diagnosis. So, um, I think one of the important things is to keep that in check for sure. Mm-hmm. I absolutely <laughs> agree. Self-care, mental health, all of that are my favorite things to encourage people to do because um, like you said, it can definitely be a blow. Like finding, well, no, for most people, it is a blow finding out you have HIV and being in such a dark place for so long, it's not fair to you, uh, to yourself or to the people around you even. Absolutely, take care of yourself and your mental health is just as important as your physical health is how I see it. Definitely, I agree. So, um, we're coming down to the end of the show. Is there anything else that you'd like to say? Any parting words for the people? Um, just take care of yourself and seek God first. Okay, good words to live on. And everybody, I want you to give you a round of applause to Jamie, even though if we can't hear you now. <laughs> But we know that you all are clapping with us. Jamie, thank you again for joining me on EAC Speaks. It has been such a pleasure having you on. Thank you so much for having me on. I've been so excited about this for weeks now. And um, I I really enjoyed the, the conversations. So thank you so much, Eddie. Yes. And if you would like to be a guest on EAC Speaks, please don't hesitate to reach out to us at info at engagingarkansas.org 
Also check out engagingarkansas.org for any information on getting an HIV test, whether you want to come in or get it on the home, whether you need some type of support, and any of the other services that Engaging Arkansas Communities delivers. So until next time, I'm your host, Eddie, and this is EAC Speaks. The EAC Speaks podcast is partially supported by the Arkansas Department of Health through a grant funded in part by the CDC. All discussion is solely the responsibility of each participant and doesn't necessarily represent the official views of Engaging Arkansas Communities, the Arkansas Department of Health, CDC, or the U.S. government.